recall your attention this morning to the address of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. And a brief exposition of this address. You find in Lord's Day 46. Why hath Christ commanded us to address God thus? Our Father. Uh, that immediately in the very beginning of our prayer, he might excite in us a childlike reverence for and confidence in God, which are the foundation of our prayer. Namely, that God is become our Father in Christ, and will much less deny us what we ask of him in true faith, then our parents will refuse us earthly things. Why is that added, which art in heaven? Lest we should form any earthly conceptions of God, of God's heavenly majesty, and that we may expect from his almighty power all things necessary for soul and body. The Lord's Prayer, beloved, is on the very face of it the product of divine revelation and inspiration. No man could ever conceive of such a brief prayer that is so perfect as so complete so that in this brief prayer uh, we can express all our needs for soul and body for time and for eternity I think this prayer, together with its doxology, uh, you can count the words. I don't think they are more uh, than 50 or 60 words in the whole Lord's Prayer. And yet, in that a very brief prayer. Our needs are so completely expressed uh, that we could not uh, think of anything uh, that must be added to this perfect prayer. That is on the very face of it the product 
a divine revelation and inspiration. There's nothing like it. As far as prayers are concerned, there's nothing like it in all the experience of the Christian church. Besides, beloved, as we may expect, all the true principles of prayer are embodied in this a prayer which the Lord taught us to pray. You understand, of course, that the Lord's prayer is not given us to simply repeat it so that we may never pray in any other form. But certainly, this prayer which the Lord has taught us means to be an example for us to follow. And if we look at this prayer, this brief prayer, from that point of view, we will find that all the true principles of prayer are embodied and illustrated in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord himself in Matthew 6 it teaches us some of those principles. He tells us, for instance, in that chapter that we must seek the kingdom of God first and all other things shall be added unto us. Uh, that certainly is illustrated in the Lord's Prayer. We pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come. Uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All things uh, for the kingdom of God for the spiritual thing. We pray once more for the forgiveness of our sins and for sanctification that the Lord may not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil. Also that is seeking the kingdom of God and there is only one small, simple petition for our daily bread, for our earthly needs, no more. And therefore, this prayer certainly embodies that principle that we shall seek the kingdom of God first and its righteousness and believe that all other things shall be added unto us. In that same chapter, the Lord teaches us that we shall not be anxious. Be not anxious for the day of tomorrow. There is no anxiety whatever expressed in this Lord's prayer. 
The simple petition. Our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Is certainly free from all anxiety for the morrow. And so it is throughout the prayer. This prayer, as you know, is divided into an address, six petitions, and a doxology. You know, too, that those six petitions are so divided that three are for God and his cause and his name and his kingdom. And three are for ourselves, for our daily bread and for our spiritual needs. And the doxology is added to the glory of our Father in heaven. In this morning hour, we are called to briefly explain and proclaim the spiritual principles of the address, our Father who art in heaven. You know, even in that address, Really, the whole Lord's Prayer is already included. It speaks, it calls upon God as our Father. That means, of course, that we know that He loves us. And that He certainly will give unto us whatsoever we ask of Him. It means, too, that in principle we love him and that therefore we delight to do his will, delight uh, to glorify him and hallow his name and seek his cause and his kingdom in the midst of the world. It also means uh, that we ask our Father in heaven in the midst of this world to forgive us our sins he is our Father, and we love Him, and He loves us. We all, it also means, beloved, that we ask our Father in heaven to sanctify us, and to deliver us from evil, and to lead us not into temptation. That all implied on it in this, in this address. This address is quite in harmony with the entire contents of the whole Lord's Prayer. And therefore, speaking on this address in the Lord's Prayer, we briefly call your attention to three things that are included in this. In the first place, to the consciousness of sonship that is expressed here. In the second place, to the consciousness of brotherhood that is expressed here. In the third place, to the consciousness of humble confidence that is expressed here. The consciousness of sonship. The consciousness 
of brotherhood, the consciousness of humble confidence. You know, we must not make a mistake of treating the Lord's Prayer merely as a matter of doctrine or as, for instance, we treat the law. This is not simply objective doctrine. It's not the preaching of the law, but it is prayer, beloved, prayer. And therefore, we must certainly not forget the subjective point of view. I don't know whether you know, I sometimes wonder whether you understand those terms or not. Uh, but I mean, beloved, uh, that we must not forget uh, that in prayer, rather than look at the Word of God and at the doctrine in the Word of God and at the doctrine in our confession. We stand before God and express what lives in our mind, in our heart, in our soul. That's what I mean when I say that we must look at the truth here from a subjective point of view. That's prayer, of course. Prayer is the outpouring of our soul and heart. A prayer is the expression of the regenerated heart of the child of God before the face of God as our Father in heaven. That's prayer. If it is not that, you cannot pray. You know, we so often pray And not a mere word. We do that at the table. We do that retire. We do that perhaps uh, in, even in our personal prayers. Uh, we even uh, do that in our public worship. I know I feel sometimes that in my prayer I follow a certain mechanical form and mechanical expression without being really the expression of my heart. I try not to, but you know we have only a small beginning of that of this new obedience. And that applies especially to prayer. 
prayer is the highest expression of what lives in the heart of the child of God. And it's not easy to pray. Not easy. It's not easy always for me to pray here. Don't think it is. It isn't. When I'm called to pray at quarter to ten here at, in the morning, or at quarter after seven in the evening at that particular time, I must be ready. And I don't always feel that I'm ready. I hope you understand that and spiritually sympathize with me. Because that's true. And so it is, beloved, with all our prayers. With all our prayers. So often we simply utter words. Uh, not uh, without knowing what we say, uh, but really without pouring out our heart, without pouring out the regenerated heart before the face of God as our Father in heaven. That's true. That's true of me. That's true of you, I'm sure. And so, beloved, uh, that is nevertheless true prayer. That is true prayer. And therefore I say, you know, people sometimes say, I've heard people say, especially certain class of people, uh, sickly people, I've heard people say, I don't dare to pray. I don't dare to say my prayer, our Father in heaven. That's presumptuous. I don't dare to be so presumptuous uh, that I can simply address God as my Father in heaven. Uh, my answer is, beloved, if you cannot pray our Father in heaven, you cannot pray at all. You cannot pray at all. That's impossible. You could possibly say God and Lord and Most High and so on and so forth, uh, but if in those terms you do not address, consciously address your Father in heaven, you do not pray. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. Because, beloved, when we pray, we must be conscious of our sonship to say that God is our Father is the objective truth of the gospel. To say that we are his sons. To say not that God causes us sons, but that we are sons of God is the subjective phase, the subjective aspect of that same truth that God is our Father. And therefore I say, in our prayer, we are conscious that we are sons of God. 
Otherwise, we cannot pray uh, whatsoever. I don't have to explain now in detail, just a little, uh, what is meant by sonship. You understand that we speak of sonship in a twofold sense of the word. In a legal sense, and in a spiritual, ethical sense. In the legal sense, we are sons of God by adoption. We are not sons of God. By nature, we are children of man. Not sons of God. We are alienated from God. We are cast out. We are strangers from God and from his covenant fellowship by nature. We have no we have no right by nature in ourselves. We have no right to be called children of God. No right. But God, beloved, gives us that right freely, without any method, sovereignly. He bestows that right upon His children simply by adopting them and giving them the right of sonship. That's adoption. That adoption as children of God was conceived by God before the world was. Before God, beloved, we, the whole church, all the true members of the whole church, are children of God from before the foundation of the world. In his election. God doesn't change. God always. <coughs> says to us. Always. Always from eternity. God says to us. Ye are my sons and my daughters. Always did. Never changed. For a while, he said to us, I throw you out of my house. That's true. But nevertheless, 
even when he did that, he still said to us, ye are my sons and my daughters. It isn't so as a certain (coughs) German theologian has it, and as many follow him in that doctrine uh, that uh, the same sons of God are first reprobate and that Christ is the reprobate and that Christ now removed reprobation uh, by suffering and death That's bad. But that's corrupt. We must say, beloved, God from eternity adopted us in his eternal counsel freely as his elect children. We not first reprobate and then become elect. We are always elect. And Christ is always elect. And we're always electing Christ. Christ is the Son of God. And we are children of God eternally in Christ. Must say that. Besides, that counsel of God as to our sonship, as to the adoption of the children of God of those that were disobedient children, rebellious children, is realized in time. Is realized in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is suffering and death. In his death, he paid the price of our redemption as children of God. And in his death, he merited for us the perfect right to be called children of God. And in his resurrection, God revealed that that, uh, that adoption was sealed below. Looking at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we say, God tells us here, God assures us here, uh, that he adopted us to be his sons. Although we are in ourselves unworthy to be called his children. And uh, that uh, adoption of the children of God will be publicly realized and forever in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then the adoption shall be perfect. That the legal adoption. Of course. When we say, our Father who art in heaven, we say, I believe that God has sovereignly loved me from eternity. I believe that God has given me in Jesus Christ, my Lord, the right to be called 
the Son of God, the right to call him my Father, our Father in heaven. That means, beloved, that when I say our Father in heaven, I say that I look forward to the time when I shall be perfectly delivered from all sin and evil and walk as a son of God in everlasting glory. It means, of course, too, all the contents of the Lord's prayer stand to read. I say, because I say I am the son of God, because I say God is my Father. Therefore, beloved, therefore I say, hallowed be thy name. I say that I serve, I love it. Therefore I say, thy kingdom come. I like to be delivered from heaven. I like to see the perfect kingdom of God. Therefore I say, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That's all already implied in that first sentence. Even therefore I say, O my Father in heaven, I know that I will give my, my daily bread. I ask thee for daily bread. For bread for today, that's not because thou art my Father in heaven. Therefore I say, O my Father in heaven, forgive my sin. Deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. That's all included in that one expression. Because I pray in the consciousness of sonship. And if I do not pray in the consciousness of sonship, I cannot pray at all. But there is the other side of sonship. That's, that's the spiritual side of sonship. The ethical side of uh, God uh, does what a man can never do. A man can probably adopt uh, children, adopt uh, boys or girls, and treat them as if they are at home, but they can never make them as own. They can never make them as own. But God does. God not only adopts, God also makes them his children. He does that when he regenerates them and gives them the life of sons, the life of Jesus Christ in the heart, when he calls them and sanctifies them and uh, actually causes his spirit to dwell, the spirit of sonship to dwell in their hearts so that according to Romans 8, they cry, Abba, Father. Father, Father. But that is the ethical side. And when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, Our Father, we also confess, beloved, that 
Oh, it's small beginning, I know that. But in prayer, especially in prayer, that, that small beginning must be active. The small beginning of the new obedience must be active. Very active. People want to pray. Otherwise, they don't pray. It's not a flesh that prays. It's a regenerated heart and spirit that prays. And, therefore, beloved, I say, it's more beginning, I know. There's much sin. There's much darkness. There's much corruption. But if that inner principle of life expresses itself, we say, our Father in heaven, I know that thou hast shed abroad thy love in our hearts by thy Holy Spirit. Experience. Therefore, in that address, we say, not only our Father in heaven, I know uh, that thou lovest us, uh, but we also say, we know that we love thee. That's also Know that we love thee, our Father in heaven. That means, beloved, that we say when we pray from the heart, our Father in heaven. I certainly can pray from the heart that I long for nothing better than that, that thy name is glorified because we love thee. That thy name be hallowed. In us and through us in the whole world and in the whole church. Let thy name be hallowed. Our Father in heaven we know that we are thy children and that we love thee and therefore we pray thy kingdom come. We long for the perfection of thy kingdom. Thy will be done. We love thee, O God. We love thee, our Father. And therefore we humbly ask that thou wilt not give us riches. We don't ask for that. But please give us our daily portion. That's not for us. Our Father in heaven, we love thee and therefore we'd like to be perfect. We ask that thou wilt forgive our sins because we're sorry for our sins because we love thee. 
and that thou will deliver us from evil and corruption because we love thee. We like to be perfect. That's all included in that address. The consciousness of sonship is essential for prayer. And therefore, although we may address our Father in heaven in other terms, we may sometimes uh, say, Oh my God, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We may sometimes say, Most high and most glorious one, our eternal God, and so on and so forth. But, no matter how we address God in our prayers, the basis of it must certainly be that we address him as our Father in the consciousness of sonship, and otherwise we cannot pray. But notice that uh, this is the cause. I don't know whether you ever whether you ever prayed my father in heaven. I doubt that very much. Even in a private prayer, in a personal prayer, it's not very likely that we ever address God as my father unless uh, stress of a very peculiar and difficult circumstance, personal circumstance. Otherwise, we never do that. I think there was only one uh, that addressed God that way. I don't think we could follow him there. Not very often. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks repeatedly of my Father. Even in his doctrine. My Father. In Gethsemane he says, my Father. Personal. Very personal. I doubt whether we can ever do that. I hardly dare to assume we do that. But the Lord teaches us to pray our Father. That is, He wants, He does not want us to come before the throne of grace without our brethren. If we go consciously to the throne of grace, beloved, and exclude the brethren, or exclude those who we know to be brethren, Then our Father in heaven says, You better get out first. 
it out. Until you can take your brethren along. I won't have you. Not this way. And that is also true in all the other petitions. The poor. Our Father. Give us our daily bread. You must not be a certain rich man that storms the throne of grace, as it were, with all his money in his pocket, and let his brother go hungry. Let the poor Lazarus be his gate. Because then the Lord says, you better get out of here. I can't have you. I don't want you. Who gave us our debts? All of us. All of us. Inclusive of all the believers. Without exception. As we forgive all that inclusion, everyone. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of us. Everyone. And, beloved, but that does not mean uh, that uh, I determine whom I call children of God. But what it means That I have spiritual communion with the people of God, with my brethren and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord in the truth. Nothing else. You may probably say, oh, there are many brethren that we cannot take along to the throne of day. Beloved, it's possible. I don't know. It's certainly possible. In the abstract. But for my consciousness, for my consciousness, those that do not walk in the truth. Those that refuse to walk in the truth and that even refuse to walk 
If they are, let them repent. And now take them along to our Father in heaven. But if they don't repent, I will not and I cannot take them along. I will say to my Father, to our Father, to the Father of all his saints in heaven, I will say, Father in heaven, here with all my brethren, with all those that walk in the truth, I come before thy face. I have no, I have no personal selection. I have no hatred in my heart against any of thy children. I have no rancor. I have no malice in my heart. I come before thee, and I can honestly tell thee, I wish, I hope, that all thy people will walk in the truth, so that I have them all with me before thy day. Our Father, our I apply that too, beloved, to our present situation. We must honestly be able to say that we regard to those that have caused the disturbance and the false doctrine and the separation in our churches. We must honestly be able to say, I have no personal hatred in my heart against anyone. That I have no fellowship with them is their fault. I have not separated from them. They separated from me. I must be able to say that, beloved. Otherwise, some wrong. And then I can say, Our Father in heaven, give them repentance. Even by thy word. The consciousness of brotherhood in the truth. And in the truth only. Oh, the Lord's prayer is not a general prayer, beloved, that you can use as many use indeed in all kinds of public gatherings. Certainly I would use, and you should use, that prayer in public gatherings. We must be able to say, with all that pray, our I am the brother of all that are here together and that come to thy throne of grace. Otherwise, we cannot pray. Our Father, who art in So finally, beloved, there is in this prayer 
the expression of humble Our Father is in heaven. He's in heaven. Oh, I know that does not mean that our Father is not on earth. Because he's in heaven. Our Father is everywhere. Our Father is omnipresent. Our Father is more than omnipresent. More than omnipresent. You say that's impossible? Oh, yeah. Our Father, omnipresence doesn't express it. I'd much rather use the term immense. Immense. Uh, I use the term, beloved, infinitely immense. Because on earth, He's in heaven. Oh yes, but he's far above the heavens. Infinitely, infinitely immense. And that's our God. Infinitely immense. Yes. Just as there is no time for God, so there is no space for God. He's in space. Earth and heaven. But that is not the meaning of the term, beloved, our Father in heaven. Oh, no. It doesn't mean either that heaven is a certain place and far above the, far above the clouds and the stars and so on and so forth. Heaven may be right around us as far as I know. I like to think that anyway. Uh, but uh, when in the Lord's Prayer, we are taught to say our Father in heaven. We mean to say, beloved, our Father as thou art in Jesus Christ our Lord as in heaven, where Christ is exalted at thy right hand, we see thy face. Thy face. Thy glorious face. I do not like to speak to thee and say, Thou omnipresent God. I do not like to speak to thee as thou revealest thyself in the trees and then the stars and then the forest and the seas that also reveal to thee. But I'd like to speak to thy face. When I say, Our Father, I'm thy child. When I say in heaven, I say, I speak to thy face as Thy face is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Face to face. Now by faith, presently, by sight, in everlasting glory. When God tabernacles shall be with us, 
And he will dwell with us and we with him and see him face to face. And then, as the Catechism has it, it has also means, beloved, that I do not speak to our Father in heaven as my next door neighbor. Although I'm his child, I respect him very highly. I know he's far above me. In his majesty, in his power, in his wisdom, he is infinite. I'm a creature. I never forget that. Oh, I don't speak to the Lord, to my God, to my Father in heaven, as if he were my equal. As he did here, the village Sunday say once, beloved, at the end of his speech he said, Oh, gee, Lord, I'm tired. Oh, gee, Lord, I'm that's blasphemy. That shows that there is no sense of the majesty and glory and power of our heavenly Father. Oh no. We speak to him face to face in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we know that that face of our Father is far beyond even the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glorious, infinitely glorious in majesty and power and in wisdom. And besides, when I thus speak to him, beloved, when I thus pour out my heart to him, at the same time, I can put my whole confidence Humble confidence. Because then I say our Father in heaven I know that thou lovest us and that therefore thou surely wilt give unto us whatever is good Thou surely will give unto us whatsoever we ask of thee according to thy will. We can certainly trust in thy love and commit ourselves unto thee when thou sayest seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you. There's no question of Ask, ask, and it shall be given. Besides, our Father in heaven, uh, thou art not only a loving Father and willing to give us all things necessary, but thou art almighty. Thou canst. All things are in thy store, rich store. Rich store of spiritual and 
physical blessing. All things we need are in thy hand. Thou canst as well as will give unto us all things necessary. And that thou art all wise so that thou knowest what I need before I even ask of thee and before I even make known unto thee my needs. Thou knowest them all and therefore, O Lord, humble confidence, in humble confidence I cast myself upon, upon thee, our Father who art in heaven. Amen. Lord, our Father, give us childlike confidence and childlike spirits that we may learn to pray and learn to pray more and more earnestly and truly. Our Father, who art in heaven. Amen.